0: Well, happy Christmas, everybody. Wow. You know, when I think about Christmas, I I think of us, actually, people. I think of people like Dan and Joan missing their first Christmas with their beloved. You know, there are families amongst us who are missing someone this Christmas. There are families amongst us who are celebrating, you know, a new child or grandchild. The variety of Christmases, you know, whether this year has been a real challenge or a real joy. I just want to wish you the greatest time this season, recognising that despite all that has happened or hasn't happened these last 12 months, that there is hope this Christmas. And I want to share whether, whether you're feeling, you know, even just sadness this morning, or it's, it's a struggle to get out of bed, or it's pure joy because there's people around you filled with joy. Whatever, whatever place you find yourself in this morning, I pray that you will find the life that was intended this Christmas. And that's what I'm about to share. Because I am so excited about this message. Not because it's just another Christmas Day message. But because it's the message. It's the message When I think about our world, I I grieve with East Africa and and famine and I grieve continually about Ukraine and I feel helpless. Anyone with me? And I feel helpless about some aspects of our society. But there's hope. Can can you see the tension? I feel the pull of the world and, and the despair and the heartache at times and yet I open my Bible and I see the hope. It's my prayer this morning that you see the hope. I want to lift you beyond wherever you might be right now. And as always, the the story, the greatest story that we've explored is, is the story that gives us hope. So imagine there was a king who loved a humble maiden. She had no royal pedigree, no education, no standing in the royal court. She dressed in rags. She lived in a hut. She lived the ragged life of a peasant. But for reasons no one could quite figure out, the king, this noble king, this powerful king, fell in love with this girl in the way the kings sometimes do, apparently. Why he could love her was beyond explaining. But love her, he did. And he could not stop loving her. He thought about her day and night, dreamt about her, wanted to be with her, wanted to express his love to her, but didn't know how. So one day, there awoke in the heart of the king an anxious thought, how in the world is he going to reveal his love to this girl? How could he bridge the chasm that separated the two of them? His advisors, of course, there's always a noble advisor, isn't there? The wise people, the people who give you the best advice. He advised Told him that he all he had to do was to command her to become her queen. And it would be done. For he was a man of immense power. Every statesman trembled. Every person feared his wrath, every foreign power trembled before him and every courtier groveled in the dust of the king's voice. This poor peasant girl would have no power to resist. She would have to become the queen. But power, even unlimited power, cannot command love. The king could force her body to be present in the palace But he could not force love. He could not force her to love him. He might be able to gain her obedience in the way, but coerced submission is not love. And it's not what he wanted. He longed for intimacy of heart and oneness of spirit. And all the power in the world cannot unlock the human heart. It must be open from within. So, he met with his advisors. This is a great story, isn't it? He met with his advisors once again. Advisors! And they suggested he try to bridge the chasm by elevating her to his position. He could shower her with gifts, dress her in purple and silk, and have her crown the queen. But if he brought her to his palace... If he radiated the sun of his magnificence over her, if she saw all the wealth and pomp and power of his greatness, then she would be overwhelmed. How could he ever know if she loved him for himself? For all that he had given her? And how could she know that he really loved her? And would love her still if she remained only a humble peasant? Would she be able to summon confidence enough never to remember that the king wished only to her forget that he was the king and she had been a humble maiden and that that bridge between them was too hard? <clears throat> Every alternative he came up with came to nothing. There was only one way. So one day the king arose, <laughs> dismissed his advisors, He took off his crown, relinquished his scepter, laid aside his royal robes. And he took upon himself the life of a peasant. He dressed in rags, scratched out a living in the dirt, groveled for food, and dwelt in a hut. He did not just take on the outward appearance of a servant. Hear this. He didn't just take on the outward appearance of a servant, he became a servant. It was his actual life, his actual nature, his actual burden. He became as ragged as the one he loved so that she could be his forever. It was the only way. His raggedness became the very signature of his presence. And so it is when God seeks to gain the freely given, uncoerced love of human beings. Do you see it? Do you see the connection, the bridge between heaven and earth? Do you see the only way that God, in giving us His free will, could actually come alongside and help us to come to get to know Him? God is not looking for subjects, loyal, obedient servants. He's looking for a lover. Did you know that? He's not after just that whole sense of come and obey and submit. Or come and do the right thing, Christianity has got a bad name because people just think it's about rules. I tell you, it's the love of God looking for the uncoerced love of his people. (laughs) And so Jesus leaves heaven, God himself, and lies in a feeding trough. I mean, the story is so familiar, isn't it? And we see the nativity, oh, we see... But it's incredible that that God Himself would leave the power and authority of heaven and come to earth as a baby. Weakness, cute, but weak. Prone to COVID, I hear. Chrome family. So, who is this God? Do you know who this God is? We talk about Jesus. Mick and mild, and he doesn't cry at sleep. I'm not sure about that either. Away in a manger. <laughs> who is this God? Who is this all-powerful, almighty God that would long to come and connect with his people? Not just force obedience, but long for love, reciprocated love. Who is this God? Let, let me read you who this God is. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. This is Jesus. This is what Colossians 1 says about who Jesus is. The image of the invisible God. Do you want to know what God looks like? Hmm. He's the image of the invisible God. You ever wondered as a kid, wonder what God looks like? It's right there. It's Christ. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Not not just not just a little baby, but all he was there for all time. For by him, all things were created. In heaven, and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Did you know that Jesus, meek and mild, lying in a feeding trough, was actually the author and creator of all things. All things, stars, planets. Galaxies, the universe, the microbiology, you know, just the incredible cells and DNA and protein and and all the little things that we just can't even see. From, From the grand to the minute, Jesus created and owns all things. This is the Jesus who came as a baby. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Jesus is holding the universe together. If he stopped, I tell you, there'd be problems. Jesus holds all things together. You might think, well, that's 2022 he hasn't held it together too well. A few little bumps, but actually through it all, if Jesus withdrew his grace, I tell you I will, will be in a huge pickle. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And here's the thing, verse 19. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Come on. In in this form, in this baby, the fullness of God was inside the baby. This is the greatest story ever told. But wait, there's more. Some steak knives, someone. There's more. Not only was in him right, the fullness of God able to dwell, here's, here's the even greater mystery and the most exciting news about Christmas. Matthew 1.23, it was read before. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Do you know what that means? God with us. God with us. Not God against us, not God kind of looking down on us, not God sort of wishing we'd get it together, wishing we'd get our act together, God with us. God with us. This is the faith. This is our faith. God with us. God loving us. God alongside us. God pursuing us. Here's the steak knife bit. Not only God with us, God in us. Ooh. All right. One more? You ready for just one more? Colossians 1, 26. The mystery hidden for ages and generations. You read your Old Testament. It's a mystery. They knew that Christ was coming. They, we've looked at it all month. They knew that Jesus was coming. But it was hidden, right? But at Christmas, it was revealed. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, it's you and me, are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's all right. Cool. Let's have some turkey. Christ, What? Christ, what? Christ in me. The hope of glory. Not not, not only Jesus bearing the power of God inside him, his death and resurrection gave us the power to have Christ in us. That's what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who has Christ in them. Not someone who follows some moral code or believes something. It's actually someone who has Christ in them. God himself, the power of the universe, living inside of me. So what kind of life am I going to live? Just a normal life. (laughs) Let's bring on the turkey. No, no. Ham. Prawns. Roast lamb. What have you got cooking at your place? Does it smell good? Is it pavlova? Is it trifle? With a bit of cordial? What's in there? Anyway. Christ in you. Come on. Because, because Christ is in you, you can have joy this Christmas. Absolutely. You can have joy in His presence, Psalm 16 and 11. In His presence is fullness of joy. Because of Christ in you, you can have joy. Because Christ is in you, you can have inner peace. Did you know that? It's yours. John fourteen twenty seven. peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. You can have inner peace today. It's yours. You can just take it because Christ is in you. Not because you meditate or because you believe something. No, because Christ is in you, you have the greatest peace you can have. You can have forgiveness today. Today. Because Christ is in you. If we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Because Christ is in you, you can have forgiveness. You can walk away clean. Not worried about the past catching up on you. Because Christ is in you, you can have inner well-being. Well-being is a buzzword, isn't it? But you can have the real thing. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. You can have that today. Because Christ is in you, you can have inner well-being. Because Christ is in you, you can have provision. Here's provision. Here's abundance. abundance. His, His glory in us, His divine power, says 2 Peter 1.3, has given us most things that we need for godly life. Hang on. Everything. His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life. What do you need this year? What do you need for provision? What do you need for people in your world? What do you need to live the life that God's called you to live? It's in you because Christ is in you. You can have Help. Anyone need some help this morning? Anyone need some help looking into 2023? Anyone thinking, I'm not sure how this is going to work out? You can have help because the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. John 14, 26. You have access to the helper, the divine counselor of the universe. What kind of guide do you think you need? Holy Spirit can tell you which way to go, what to do. What to think, how to go about life, how to do marriage, how to do kids, how to do your work. Because you've got help inside the Holy Spirit because Christ is in you. What a life. Because Christ is in you, you can have direction in life. You You can be guided in the best path for you. Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way you should go. I'll counsel you with my eye on you. Anyone making decisions right now? Do I go there? Do I go there? Just listen, because Christ is in you, you can have the greatest, because He knows you this way or that way. Because Christ is in you, you can have rest. Anyone know, need some rest? He makes me lie down in green pastures. I love it. He makes me lie down, Lloyd. <laughs> he leads me beside still waters. This is not a life of just work. This is a life of rest and contentment and fulfillment because Christ is in you. Because Christ is in you, you'll never be alone. You'll never be alone. Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, Hebrews 13.5. Because Christ is in you, you can have eternal life. Truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has... Eternal life, right now, right now. You have eternal life because Christ is in you. Now, I reckon I reckon that God's done his bit. I reckon this, this is about God coming, representing his heart, his love for us, and, and like opening up a treasure box for us because Christ, all these things are in Christ all these things that humanity cries out for and aches for and, and ties itself up in knots about. But actually right this morning is a gift for us. Just here, just now. Why don't, why don't you stand right where you are? Because I, I want you to receive the gift that God has for you. You, who's, who's still got wrapping under the tree, presents, gifts? Anyone? Poor kids. Our family is alone because we still have presents to unwrap. So if you've, if you've kind of unwrapped all your presents, there's one more. There's one more. Close your eyes. This is the greatest gift. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And all you've got to do is receive it. All you've got to do is unwrap it. And then you will have inside of you everything you need to live this life. So hold out your hands. Picture God giving you a gift. His name is Jesus. And He wants to come live inside of you. He wants to come and help you because He loves you. He left heaven's beauty and glory. He took on the life of a servant and became obedient even to death on a cross for you. This is the gift. So that you don't have to die anymore, that you don't have to live a life of confusion anymore, you don't have to live a life of anxiety and restlessness and lack of peace because Christ is in you. All these things come with that. And you're gonna spend a lifetime unwrapping this gift. But right now, if you just need the gift, of Christ in you, whether you've walked with them before or not, but this morning you just find yourself, I I want to experience again that gift. Just receive. Just say after me, Jesus, I receive this gift. Help me to walk in your life. Help me to love you back. And help me find the joy of this Christmas. Amen, amen. This is the greatest Christmas because Christ is in you. We're going to sing joy to the world to finish off and then just go home and celebrate. But one more thought before we wrap up. Just take a moment today in all of the stuff. (laughs) Sneak out somewhere. Ten minutes, sneak away from the barbecues and the food and the family and just just take a moment to ponder what it means that Christ is in you and feel his joy in your life. It's going to change everything. Amen.